know, Dan, I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. Oh, I just wanna... <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, organized religion has hurt me in the past, so oh, I just yes. I think it's bad. Yes, there's so many hypocrites there. There really are. There are a lot of hypocrites there. Yeah. All right. And so... I just, I'm not getting fed. I'm, I'm, you know. <laughs> no, no. I didn't like the music oh, this yes, week it either. It was too loud. <laughs> Except when it was too soft. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And then it never was just right. This is like the Three Little Bears. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, today on Life Talks, we are talking unfair criticisms of the church. Uh, so we're going to uh, break down a list of all these criticisms that happen, and it's just it's just not fair. I know yeah. we hear a lot of whiny people say that today, but it's just not fair. Yeah. Well, and, I, you know, I've hesitated about whether to do this as an episode or not, uh, Britt, but the one of the reasons I, I did it is because— uh, there, there's two reasons. First of all, it isn't it isn't fair. We don't put other organizations, institutions, and so forth up to the same level of scrutiny, and certainly we don't put ourselves up as as we do the church. It's an easy it's easy to take shots at it, um, and if they try to defend themselves, then it's like, well, that's not a very biblical thing to do. Aren't you supposed to turn the other cheek? Um, and and but the the other thing I think is more important is this: um, when we criticize the church, and I'm not saying crit- churches ought not be subject to criticism. But I'm simply saying we need to be very, very careful because the church is the bride of Christ. So we, we need to be really, really careful because it's offensive to Jesus if we do it unfairly. Um, and you say, well, how can you say that? You know, my, my theory on this is this. If I walked up to, your, up to you and said, you know, your, your wife's a really horrible gossip, or, you know, your wife could really lose a few pounds, or, you know, your wife's not a very good mom. I notice she's not very nurturing. What would your response be? It would be like, who are you and what do you think? <laughs> I mean, it would make you crazy. Um, and, and when an outsider criticizes your family, now you might say something to your wife, like, I wish you would do this, or here's an area we need to work on together, or whatever. But when an outsider criticizes something as sacred as your spouse, um, it, it generally is a pretty big deal for us. So why would we think that it's any less so for us to take pot shots at the bride of Christ before the Lord? Uh, are there problems in the church? Absolutely. Should the church... Uh, self-scrutinize? Not a, not a doubt. Should it be accountable? Absolutely. But um, we, at some level, I believe, have turned uh, the criticism of religion and criticism of, of ch- the church um, almost to into a blood sport. Uh, the internet, social media, and so forth have have kind of exacerbated that, and 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 and, and so their entire websites, their their pseudo journalists who who enjoy doing this, uh, playing I gotcha, I, I found here's another example of a crooked pastor, here's another uh, example of a corrupt church, here's another cultic uh, congregation, um, and in doing so, uh, I believe that we are uh, dangerously close in in some cases. Uh, to, to being unbiblical in our approach. I do like you drew the line in the sand by saying that churches aren't above criticism, because I think if a church does come out as that, that's probably a dangerous church to be a part of. Without a doubt. And and I think at, at some level we can criticize generally, but when you start getting specific, I mean, like we can say there's a lot of problems with marriages in, in America right now. Okay, That's a general criticism, and we can say there are a lot of problems with churches. That I, I think they've overbuilt. I think they're, I think celebrity pastors are a problem. You'll hear me talk about those. Mm-hmm. But when it becomes real personal, like your wife or your husband or your <laughs> church, I, I think we need to be a little more cautious than we tend to be. Yeah. Okay, so we have a list here that looks like uh, the comment section on Twitter talking about uh, <laughs> churches and what's yeah. wrong with yeah, them. So I, th- I threw these together in about 30 <laughs> seconds, by the way. And probably got 
block them from Twitter. <laughs> All right, so we'll just kind of roll through them here, and just these are just complaints and unfair criticisms that are lobbed at the church. The mm-hmm. first one is organized religion is bad. You hear that a lot. Yeah, and people people love to throw that one out on social media, and from time to time, you know, I'll be engaged in a group conversation with non-believers. Or, oh, I hate organized religion, which often follows the first comment you made that says, you know, I'm spiritual, but I'm not mm-hmm. religious. Yep. And it's almost like a, the cool thing to say, well, I don't belong to an organized religion. Uh, so, and often flippantly to kind of get the conversation moving, I'll say, yes, because disorganized religion is so much better, <laughs> uh, which is sarcastic and ornery, but that is me. The, the the reality is any anything that has human leadership has the potential to, to have problems. Um, and... The, the, yeah, again, one of the twelve disciples was a charlatan. He uh, wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't yeah. legit, and uh, you know he ended up dead. <laughs> I might also add. Uh, but I mean, even you go into the early days of the church, Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, you go into Old Testament worship, Hophni and Phineas. Um, you know, were the sons of Eli. That that you know, uh, you, you've you've got examples of of even you know Aaron in the Old Testament who was. You know, very much spiritual leadership yeah. in there, and and yet he's the one who said, "Let's build a calf." <laughs> you know, so well. And I also found it interesting. I'm I'm kind of reading through uh, the Old Testament again, and Moses, even you know, we hold him up on a big pedestal, but even he kind of lost faith in God there for just a little bit. There was just that moment in time, which which is why God didn't allow him to step into the promised well, land. Yeah, and then when he kept superseding his will over God's, you know, started hitting rocks and so forth when yeah. he was yeah. blatantly disobeying God. Um, so, and, and that needs. That's something that we need to recognize is is this. Our standard for what the church should be is never in humanity. And it's never in structure. It's, yeah. n- it's never in organization. It's in Scripture. We always have to go back to the Scripture. And if we do that to ourselves personally, and we do that selves to us, ourselves corporately, we're going to find constant ways in which we could be doing better than we are. So when some here's, here's one of the things I, I want to kind of point out early on in our conversation, Britt, is... <clears throat> Just because somebody makes a criticism does not make the criticism valid, or nor necessarily invalid either, but doesn't make it necessarily valid, n- nor does it mean, mean that is the end. Hmm. Uh, because we always have opportunity to grow, to do better, yeah. to improve. Um, every marriage has room for improvement, even if it's a 50-year marriage. Uh, and every church has an opportunity to grow and to improve. Uh, but to dismiss it merely, well, I'm never getting married because, uh, you know, 50% of marriages end in divorce. <laughs> well, that's that, that's not a healthy posture uh, to talk about something that, you know, there are only three institutions that God founded. It, and first was civil government, or first was the family. Uh, second was civil government. And third was the local church. Uh, so these are the only three organizations that God said, you know, make sure you have these in place. And he did so for our good, our protection. Um, th- these are the p- three of the primary pillars of civilization. Without civil government, without the church, and without the family, civilizations collapse. So we we need to be mindful of them, and rather than just tearing them down, look for ways to make them better. Mm. And I think that transitions nicely over someone complaining about not getting married because there's divorces to I've been hurt at church or I've been hurt by Christians in the past. Yeah. And and again, I would just say um, I, I hear that. And, you know, it's bad. It, I mean, I've been hurt by church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got fired from a church unjustly. Um, you know, they, they, they I 
exposed some corruption. Um, they'd asked me to be the lead pastor, and I declined. And the next week, they fired me. So you know, and which was a little shocking for me because I politics uh, much. Yeah, I literally went from uh, we would like for you to consider you know perhaps uh, uh, becoming our next pastor to uh, that well your services are no longer required. Uh, but it's led by men, men mm. who by and large didn't know what they were doing. But that was the structure of the church. Yeah, and as, as yeah, I've been hurt. I've, I've had people say incredibly unkind things to me over the years. I've had staff members, um, you know, stab me in the back uh, that, that that I thought were my friends yeah. and, and, and so forth. But that's no different. There, you name me any place where there are humans where that kind of stuff doesn't occur. Exactly. Has there never been a policeman unjustly fired? Has there never been a businessman who didn't have one of his vice presidents uh, try to take the company? Has there, has there ever? You say, yeah, but church should be different. It should be, but as long as we've got human beings in place who have a sin nature, it's not going to be all that different. My question is, who are you going to let dictate whether or not God is moving in your life, the behavior of others or the unchanging truth of Scripture? Um, and at some point, we have to put our big boy pants on and say this. People all around me, even in my own home, even in my government, even in my church, are sometimes going to fall f- short of the mark, as will I. And as a result, I cannot let other people's actions determine my reactions. Instead, I'm going to use truth to be my compass on on how I should respond. You'll remember who said this. I can't think of it now, but they said uh, there's no such thing as a perfect church, and if you happen to find one, you better leave because you're going to mess it up. Yes, I think that was me. Yeah, was it really? <laughs> no, I thought you had heard it. I don't remember where I heard yeah, it, but no, I love I'm, it. I'm sure it's one of those preacher saints we've all I, said. If it, it was you, I love it. It's very, I, it's I've perfect. It, yeah. is, it is true, yeah. yeah. And, and that's, that's true of me, too. If I find a perfect church, I better not join it because I'm going to mess yeah, it up. Yeah, there's a problem with the church, but there's a problem with you as the person, too. You're not yeah, perfect. Yeah, and, and, and to complain... You know, one of the others that we're looking at, there's so many hypocrites here. Yeah. One of the others. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and I've always I said, when you talk about hurts and pains and hypocrites and charlatans and so forth in, in a group of people, um, my, my question, I guess, comes to be, if if there are sinners at the church, where should we send them if they're not welcome <laughs> at the church? <laughs> to yeah. me, that is tantamount yeah. to saying, there's a bunch of sick people at that hospital. I'm never going there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, the reason you go to the hospital is because you're sick. What better place for a hypocrite to go to be confronted with truth than the church or a sinner or, you know, an adulterer or a liar or a cheater? That's the purpose of going to church. Church is not a museum, but it instead it is it is a hospital where we're supposed to be getting our our problems confronted and addressed. Yeah, and if you stop going to church because there's too many hypocrites there, then you should stop going to work, and you should probably stop going out to eat, and you should probably leave your house right. and everything. Like, yeah, th- you're gonna be a really lonely person, <laughs> a very lonely person. All right, Dan, I, I've been to hear you preach and Pastor Ben preach, and I'm just not being fed mm. at the church. No one's That's talking. That's usually I'm the sh- one where the, they usually tell this to somebody else, rarely directly to the pastor. Um, they'll say, yeah, we've decided to look for another church because I'm just not being fed here. Um, now, if your pastor is preaching from uh, the, the uh, you know, Wall Street Journal every week or <laughs> New York Times— uh, there may be some validity there, and again, there's, you know, there may be a kernel of truth to every criticism. I'm not saying that none of these are without, but however, my question again is this: um, Who do you expect to feed you? And if you say, "Well, I expect my church to feed me," my my question is based on what authority? Um, you own a Bible. Hmm. The Holy Spirit lives within you. Those those are the two essential issues that you need for growth. That's your meat and your potatoes right there. Now, is it nice 
when you're sitting in a congregation with, with, with other people who are further down the road than you and can speak things that you may not have considered, may give you insights. And yes, there's no question about that. Um, but is that the only reason you go to church? Is that even a primary reason? And I would suggest no, unless you're going to sit and soak and, and you're expecting to be enrolled in a university or a seminary class and you want a scholar teaching you. Uh, but I would say there's a lot of other places you can go to get scholarly teaching. Um, you know, particularly in our day with the internet and so forth. But if you're living in a town of 500 people, Let's face it, um, you know, your church is going to have 80 people on a good Sunday, and there's a, you know, that's 80% of the churches in this country have fewer than 100 people in it on a Sunday morning. So that's the vast majority of churches. So, and, and, and you realize that in, in some cases, that pastor, he's a good guy, he studies the Word, but he doesn't have a PhD in theology. Mm. Um, he, he just may be somebody that just loves Jesus and loves people and is doing with his spiritual gifts the best he can. And for you to compare him to Charles Stanley or John MacArthur or Matt Chandler or somebody like that is patently unfair. Um, and, and it's discouraging to him because I'm going to tell you this. Matt Chandler and, and Charles Stanley and John MacArthur are not going to sit by your bed when you're dying. They're, they're not going to be there for you when, um, whenever your husband leaves you or your wife leaves you. They're, they're not going to be the one to hold your hand whenever you break, your heart's broken over your children. There's something that some pastors can provide that in your moment of crisis may be more important to you than, than whether or not they're able to expound the Greek. Now, I believe every pastor ought to be studying the Word. I believe they ought to be uh, true to Scripture. I believe they ought to be expositional in their approach. Again, don't misunderstand me. But in a world today where we are so overly connected to celebrities and experts and scholars and so forth, it's an unfair comparison for us to demand that. And my question is this. You've been safe for 20 years. When you go to the dinner table, does your mom uh, sit next to you and, and get out the spoon and play airplane? <laughs> now eat your peas, Danny. Now make sure you open up. Here we go. Why do you need that at church? Um, when I when I go to church, um, I enjoy and, and, you know, we're blessed. Pastor Ben's a great, great uh, expositor and great teacher, and I enjoy it. But I'm not expecting him to feed me, and I don't eat just once a week either. Mm. I eat yeah. all throughout the week. Mm. If I can't feed myself after having been a believer for 40 years, there's something wrong. Yeah, 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 good stuff, Dan. Um, the next, uh, next two, I think we can kind of put together— um, the church is too big and too small, and my needs aren't being met. I feel like yeah. all those kind of go together. Somebody would complain if <laughs> if one was one yeah. the other. Yeah, and 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 again, I think at some point we need to um, to step back and ask ourselves: Am I being petty here? Uh, so the church is too big, uh, but I'm guessing you sure do like the facilities. <clears throat> Usually, churches are big is because something's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not because of lack of com- uh, lack of competition in this country, at least. Uh, it may be because you have an exemplary teacher. Uh, it may be that uh, you know you've got a lot of programs, and I hate that as a, a standard by which people choose churches, but it's a reality. Um, th- there's something going on, or people wouldn't be coming. Um, or the church is too small. Again, expectations be realistic. If you live in a town of 5,000 people, uh, to have a church of 200 people is huge. It's mm. huge. So uh, we, we need to understand, again, I grew up in a church of fewer than 200 people. Um, and yet at one time I knew of probably 20 young people that had gone through there that were in vocational ministry. 
size is not uh, necessarily a determiner of the effectiveness of which that church is producing mature disciples of Christ. Um, and I would suggest to you that sometimes smaller is better. I also suggest to you that sometimes bigger is reflective of something good going on. I'm not sure that either one of them is necessarily a consistently accurate measurement of whether God is pleased with that church or the publicity of it as, as, uh, at all. And I think we could jump down to uh, um, the pastor doesn't know me. I feel like that would be a big issue in yeah. a larger church as yeah. well, which you've got to know before you go that that's going to be the issue. Yeah. I, I get that quite frequently. I, in fact, I had a good friend the other day talk to me. He, he's just working through some things with his own church experience, and he, he one of the issues he brought up was that. And, um, you, you know, in, for me, it is a value. I, I would like for the pastor to know me. Um, if I'm in a church of 5,000, I have to be realistic. Um, demographers and, and, you know, anthropologists, people who understand how human relationships work, will tell you that you can know by name and face about 180 people, 125 to 180. Um, and from there, it gets complicated even less and less. How many do you know intimately? Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how many can you manage? Um you know, an exceptional leader can manage 12 people, but most people it's five or fewer. Um, so if your pastor has a congregation of hundreds or even thousands, I think it's important that we have a realistic expectation that, if, you know, if you're in a church, if you're in a mega church, a uh, church of 2,000 or more, which is a mega church, or even if we're a church of 1,000 or more, um, your pastor may not know all the details. Unless they're just, you know, Jerry Falwell Sr. was, the, Jerry Falwell Sr. was amazing because he had a photographic memory. And I'd be with him. He was a friend of mine. Um, and, and he'd ask me my kids, and he'd know their names. And I wouldn't see him sometimes for six, seven, eight years in wow. between. But he could remember my kids' names. He knew what year they were going to graduate. But he had a photographic memory. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I don't recognize my own children some days. So, so we've, you know, we've, we've got to be realistic of our expectations. But here, to me, is the more important thing. Does somebody in the church know you? And and that may be your Bible study teacher, your small group leader. It may be one of the associate pastors. I do believe that's important, mm-hmm. that you're connected to the body at large. But I would also say part of that is your responsibility. If you're coming to church every other month, if you're not engaged in any kind of ministry, if you're not involved in a small group, no wonder nobody knows you <laughs> because you're not there. You're so, not known. Yeah, so that, that's always been a frustration to me that uh, nobody visited me when I was in the hospital. Well, okay, man, I'm sorry about that. Um, who did you tell? Well, nobody. Well, okay. Um, I'm not telepathic. <laughs> you <laughs> might want to pick up the telephone yeah, exactly. and call somebody. Let us know. I care if you're in the hospital. That's a, that is a big deal. I want somebody to be there with you. And pre- At the same time, in our church, we've got over a thousand people that call this their church home. Uh, if all we did was visit people in the hospital or in trauma or whatever, Ben and I, we'd never have time mm-hmm. to do the other things. We have to spread that out. And by the way, it's not spe- – <laughs> I used to joke this when I pastored a mega church. I said if you walk in the ho- if you see me walk in the hospital room, I hope you have your will done because it means you're dying. <laughs> it's because I just couldn't do that. I had an older congregation, and I I'd have 15 people in the hospital. <laughs> Dan, I have to laugh. I know this is more information people need to know, but I had a little health scare this past week, and you walked in the hospital, and now hearing you say that, I'm glad I heard that after the fact. <laughs> well, and and because our church isn't quite as big as my old church, I will say this: uh, I try to make it a priority for people who are on our team. Our, our staff team and elders. Yeah. I can't visit everybody, but I want them to know. I mean, I know their kids' names, and I know I know what's going on. So I do. Th- that's the other thing too is I I don't I'm never too. If I think I'm too good as a pastor to go visit somebody in the hospital, I got a problem. 
Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. Um, at the same time, I have the same number of hours in the day as anybody else. And I'm at a position in my ministry where I get a little more flexibility than I used to. Uh, but a c- single pastor, lead pastor, solo pastor, uh, again, sometimes just just try to imagine what their life is like, their schedule is like, and um, it may make us a little more empathetic. Yeah, and I think it's great, too, to, to, for, for people to know and be aware of the fact that there are other pastoral staff that does help the, the lead pastors or senior pastors, and you need to rely on those people as well. They're in those positions uh, for a reason to help the main pastor. Um, before we step away from this topic, Dan, we have just a very short amount of time left. I do think uh, uh, interesting here, I've heard this said a lot, that uh, the church is too much like a business, yeah. uh, or the, the pastor's a CEO, or it's all about the money, that's all you want. Let's uh, let's close talking about yeah, that a little bit. Yeah, and that's, that's a really—I'll try to do my best to be thorough on this, but, but uh, I hear that a lot. I've had it said of me. Um, you know, in all honesty, most of these criticisms have had said to me, by the way, but it was like, you're too much like a CEO and not enough like a pastor. Um, here, here's the problem. Sometimes I am the CEO. I, one of the churches I pastored had 300 plus employees and a $17 million budget. Hmm. Now you can say, well, that's why you have a board. No organization on this planet has a board that runs the day-to-day um, meanderings of, of the you have to have the buck stops on somebody's desk yeah. and it's the lead pastor um, so yeah that was a lot of responsibility what I'd prefer to do was to sit next to somebody and show them the plan of salvation or talk to them about what's going on in their life I had to wear more than one hat and that's where it's difficult uh, sometimes. You say, well, that's why I'm against big churches. Okay, then choose a smaller church, but don't complain whenever they don't have a program for every one of your children. Mm, yeah. You give up some things. And I'm not saying a big church is bad, small church is bad. I'm simply saying is we have a wide variety of churches. We need to be super careful ab- about that. The other thing, too, is when you have millions of dollars flowing through a church, somebody needs to be paying attention. You've got laws that have to be kept. You've got risk that has to be considered. You have procedures that must be put in place and followed. These are all part of the responsibility of senior leadership. But ultimately, there is one person that has to stand at the, you know, before God and before the authority in, in government and say, I'm keeping an eye on this thing. So, uh, I, again, I guess I kind of go back to this. Well, it's too much like a corporation. Well, would you rather it be like, you know, a mom and pop where you bounce checks and, you know, at some point you've got to you've got to be willing to uh, to accept the responsibility. And that's why it's very difficult at times to be a senior pastor, a lead pastor. I want to, as we close, I just want to say this. Look, when I bring these things up, I'm not complaining. I'm not the senior pastor of, of Life Fellowship. Uh, I've chosen not to be because the stress nearly ended my life uh, years ago. And so from that point to this point, I've never felt like I had the constitution to be that lead pastor, but I work with tons of them. I train tons of them, and I have been one. We know what we're getting into. Don't feel bad for us. Don't feel sorry for us. We know that. And you know, sometimes we have overpowered egos, and we have all kinds of problems that we have to deal with. And we'll talk sometime in the future on these podcasts on what a church should be like and and how we can protect ourselves from hypocrisy and sin and duplicity and all the other things that come. I just simply want to say this. The church is imperfect, but it is that institution for which Christ died. It is his family. It is his bride. It is it, it is his it is his siblings, right? We're joint heirs with mm. Jesus. So let, let us be willing to give the church the benefit of the doubt in as much as we would like to receive the benefit of the doubt from those in our family as well. I think it'll serve us well. It doesn't mean you let sin go unnoticed, and it doesn't mean you 
you, you know, you never offer a suggestive uh, critique on something. What it does mean is this. In all things, we keep our eyes on Christ and keep our feet grounded in the Word of God. Well, I hope this episode gave you uh, some good ammo if you ever hear any of these unfair criticisms or if you have some of these criticisms yourself take a a long look at why you may have them there may be something deeper at the root of that issue going on talk to somebody in the church about it and get your questions answered that does it for this episode of life talks we'll catch you next time you've been listening to life talks be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode share this podcast on facebook instagram and twitter to let your friends and family know about life talks We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.